0: Hey, welcome to the After Now podcast with Tim and George. Give us a listen. What do you have to lose?
1: Because let's be honest, you've wasted time on sketchier stuff than this before. Hey, Tim. Hey, George. I heard that the CEO of IKEA was named prime minister. Okay, prime minister of what? Of Sweden. But he's having a hard time getting stuff done (laughs) because he's spending so much time assembling his cabinet.
0: (laughs) Ah, there we go. I knew it was coming. Hey, Tim.
1: Two in a row. Here we go. Here's a life tip. Okay. You should watch the movie Jaws backwards. Because backwards, it's a heartwarming story about a giant white shark that gives arms and legs to disabled people. (laughs) Hey, Tim. Hey, George. Why did the Star Wars movies come out in the order four, five, six, one, two, three. I don't know. I mean, I do know,
0: but why did they, George? In charge of the sequence, Yoda was. <laughs> yep, there it is. See, the important <laughs> the important part here is we think we're funny. That's all that matters, that's, by the way.
1: That's right. Yeah. And all three people, hopefully, one of them will get a giggle, right? Y-
0: yep, that's all that matters. As long as we're funny, that's all that matters.
1: <laughs> and as... Always the jokes kind of go into the theme of what we're going to be talking about tonight. Right, right. Which is? The impact of Industrial Light and Magic, which is um, a special effects studio that has impacted everyone's life that has ever seen a movie. Absolutely. And the genesis of that was... Was really George
0: George Lucas, right, and what he did. Yep. But and, bef- um, before we before we go down that road, right, um, you know, I just wanted to uh, uh, bring up that uh, you know this is uh, kind of kismet our conversation because um, you know with with that uh, this past what last couple weeks the new Andor series has come out, right? Um, and, yep on uh, Disney plus. And along with that was kind of a, um, a dive into the conversation. Ironically, a dive into the conversation that we're having tonight. They actually have a special about industrial lights and magic on Disney plus, which is really cl-
1: cool. And for those that, I um, think maybe we're, we're over sensationalizing or it's hyperbole about the impact of, uh, the special effects, virtually every movie that was, um, meaningful probably in the last almost 50 years now. Yeah. If they didn't use industrial lights and magic, they used techniques that were invented by industrial lights and magic.
0: Yeah. And this, this is far reaching. This impacts everybody, right? This, this impacts the movie industry. Um, this has far reaching, uh, implications for desktop software um that was developed out of this you know um vertical let's call it that this this silo right um, even
1: on your phone
0: even on your phone and not only that but uh as a movie industry as a whole i mean um without industrial lights and magic there wouldn't have been pixar steve jobs you know toy story all of that came out of this this team of this tree, we can call it a tree yeah. of of you know, very much like how you know NFL teams have you know, um, coaching staff.
1: Yeah, coaching trees, yeah.
0: Yeah, and, you know, you saw what happened down in Tampa Bay uh, back in the 90s where you had all these great coaches come out and, you know, one went to Indianapolis, you know, another one went here, another one went there, and you could just see where all these great coaches kind of came from one system. It's the same thing with Industrial Lights and Magic. You see um, one director who had a need, had a want, he was really tired of the status quo. So he set out to change the status quo and, you know, kind of invited all of his friends in to help out and to benefit by that too.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And so I guess you're wondering, okay, what are these two incredibly handsome nerds talking about? Right. Um, So what we're talking about is if there's, there's really a, a milestone pre-star wars and after star wars okay if you look at the original star wars movies today the original one um it starts out and we talked about the music part on a different podcast but if you look at the visual um special effects there had never been anything remotely close to to what you were seeing and as as tim alluded to there's that old saying necessity is the mother of invention this stuff didn't exist and so it was created and part of what was created um they mixed a lot of different things between um the model incredible model making but different tech camera techniques Uh, i think they probably had invented different cameras for it um and then the special effects, and you got to understand this was Star Wars came out in what seventy seven, seventy eight, yeah, something yeah, like that. Yeah, yeah. Um, so this movie was probably shot in seventy five, seventy six. <laughs> there was nothing. Their computers, the original Apple computer, hadn't been invented yet, or, or it was,
0: was was very close, or it was around it, that time. Yeah,
1: yeah. But it was in a garage at this point. Right, right, right. There were no Apple stores. <laughs> there was no Best Buy. Um, there was the thought of a home, com- of someone owning a home computer that you didn't have to solder yourself mm-hmm. was just not known at this point. Yeah, the
0: Altair was, was what was big if you really want to go back and talk about where computers were at that point. And, you know, I think Wozniak just finished the logic board for the original Apple computer. So you're absolutely right. I mean, there, you know, there wasn't even a Tandy on a desk from Radio Shack yet.
1: No. And, and so think about that. There was no, um, you didn't have this ability. You didn't have these tools that we absolutely take for granted today. But if you watch an original Star Wars film today, it holds up really really well it, unless you
0: ask a 12 year old
1: yeah but even then the just the whole production of how it was um, yeah and i'm being harsh i mean you know, no, no, you're absolutely it, right you're absolutely and, right. And, and and yeah you'd expect you know improvements over the 50 years almost that that it's been out right. but it really holds up I, and if you look at the other stuff that was going on at the time it really was garbage. I mean, they had, you know, they had like um, the robots in sci-fi movies at this time were just really clunky and they didn't really move. Right. The The only
0: movie that, you know, did hold up was 2001, you know, 2001, Stanley Kubrick's 2001 Space Odyssey. Right. That's yes. that's where um, uh, that's where a lot of the inspiration for Star Wars, not all some of the inspiration for Star Wars came from, you know, obviously, um, George Lucas was very much into hot rods at the time, um, you know, and and he made some movies prior to that. He made many movies prior to that. But there's one in particular, which we're not getting into in this show, because it doesn't really impact the conversation. But it it definitely goes along with the theme of our podcast, which is, you know, um, technology and how does it impact the human condition. And Industrial Lights and Magic was not only a group of individuals, as you said, who innovated in industry, but built technology to forward that innovation down the road to really make huge impacts across the board.
1: Yeah. And for you entrepreneurs out there, this is just an incredible example of taking something, of inventing something that is needed for a particular use. In this particular case, the Star Wars movie. And they created a special effects house that other movie studios and and, uh, filmmakers could tap into. So from an entrepreneurial mindset, and this this is really important because I think a lot of companies don't do this like, hey, we have a need. We're going to invent something. We're going to create something. And then can we turn that into its own entity, its own business? And they right. did. Right. And it's still going today.
0: Yeah. In fact, um, not only is it going today, and, and this is, you know, and we're going to touch on these things, right? But this is 70s, 80s, 90s, early 2000s, and now the second, you know, part, you know, the, the next 10 years of the 21st century now in the 2020s we're really looking at ilm as it it still hasn't backed off of innovation and and we're going to touch on that
1: yeah yeah and where how does how has this impacted you okay um obviously the first movie star wars uh got a lot of people myself included super interested in technology wanting to have their own lightsaber, wanting to, you know, uh, work on incredible machines that can do stuff that that isn't there. Um, It also created what up until that point was absolutely not available. So what this did is it completely let loose the imagination of storytellers. So there were books before that were like oh, they can't make a movie of that. That's going to look like crap, right? All of a sudden, you can do something, and, and you know, many years later, you can do something like Avatar. You can do something like the the Star Trek movies. Um, you can do stuff like E. T. or Close Encounters of the Third Kind, or or literally anything you can think of it's it's melding of CGI with real stuff and and all this other stuff and special effects and gladiator, even something like gladiator. Right.
0: (laughs) Right. Right. Because you're, you're
1: taking, you recreated the, the,
0: the Coliseum. Yep. You're recreating buildings that, you know, they may exist today, but they didn't, they they don't look the same as they did back in the day. Right. So you're overlaying um, CGI on top of the movie And you're giving it that look and feel, which is, it's kind of in the name, you know, right? Industrial Lights and Magic. I mean, they're really creating a a, a real magic to the movie, the cinema experience.
1: Yeah. And it again, something like Gladiator, again, if you haven't seen it, it brings you back to Rome.
0: Oh, yeah, for sure. It it brings
1: you back to the Colosseum. And um, this is this is the kind of thing that um makes the impossible come true yeah yeah Yeah. so so some of the um just some of the movies ilm has been involved with um where are we at here um star wars of course pirates of the caribbean Think of all the special effects in Pirates of the Caribbean. Absolutely. Right. right. Um, Mm E.T., Jurassic Park. Indiana Jones. Iron Man. Perfect Storm. Transformers. Twister. uh, These are all iconic movies. And again, any one of these movies, before ILM, you'd really have to think long and hard about how cheesy is the tornado going to look in Twister? How cheesy are the dinosaurs going to look in Jurassic Park? Right, right. And ALM made those come to life.
0: They really did. And, you know, it's funny. You be, know? Yeah, it's funny. Be... so
1: so it really has impacted most people's lives, especially in Western culture where movies are a huge part of their their – Formative years and experiences,
0: right? No,
1: it's I... a it's a it's a big deal, man. It's... Yeah,
0: yeah, no, it's a huge deal. And you know, it's funny because, um, you know, they, they when when they first started, you know, we weren't even talking CGI. We were talking uh, a model house, um, building models, putting them on rigs, and recording them with high speed cameras, and then laying down effects on top of them, and then using film to overlay, you know, multiple effects uh, on top of it. So we're, what is known as compositing, right? We, mm-hmm. we, we For the first two and a half Star Wars movies and, you know, some of the early uh, Indiana Jones movies, which even had the clouds in the background, which actually turned out to be a water tank with, with um, um, you know, uh, hot and cold water, and and using you know a heavier fluid to create the illusion of clouds, and then compositing that, um, you know, you you really had a lot of creative people saying, you know, how can we make this work without without computers because computers aren't there yet, you know, and right. what what was interesting was. They did use computers though, because if you re- remember, in the beginning of Star, oh, sorry, at the end of Star Wars, where they're all sitting together and they're like, "Hey, how are we gonna blow up this Death Star?" and they sh- they had the big screen, mm-hmm. they had the big screen with that graphics when they were downloading it off R two D two. That's the extent of the graphics department, and that was high end for back then. Yeah, it was. You know the yeah. the Death Star turning in in graphics and them showing. A little dot for the photon torpedo uh, or the, the 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 torpedo going down into the uh the dust star and it exploding that was a that was a big deal for them and you know so that was not only the graphics department creating graphics to kind of explain the story but it was also you know hey we need to take these models and we need to put them on rigs and we need to actually blow these things up and run it inside of a high-speed camera to give it that illusion
1: in, and again, going from that, which, uh, and again, you start out, you know, crawl, walk, run.
0: <laughs> crawl, crawl, from, crawl, crawl, walk yes. slowly. Yeah, yeah.
1: Yeah. And, and you know, uh, E.T. for for its time was amazing. But Transformers, have to admit, it's one of my favorite movies. Mm-hmm. Um, boy, the... special effects they did on that were just incredible and um another movie that i think had a huge impact on what came after it it really was a before after moment was forrest gump
0: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm.
1: And, and if you remember the movie forrest gump it was really the first time that they were able to put mixed timelines so they could take a, a, a live actor like Tom Hanks shaking the hands of John F. Kennedy right, or, or Tom Hanks with uh, Lyndon B. Johnson or all these other historical figures and they were in the same place and that was a, to me it was a before and after moment because I remember seeing the movie when it came out I'm dating myself here um, when the movie came out and I was like wow that's really good. I know it's not true, right? But my eyes are telling me it is. Hold on, been... George. <laughs> Too old. <laughs> I, 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 I. But it it really was one of those before and after moments. And I think Industrial Light and Magic has really um if you look at the different progressions that Industrial Light and Magic has done and it has inspired other studios. And other effects companies, to you know, it it set the bar and continues to. And so, so for a company like that to still be relevant, forty five years or forty seven years, whatever it is, since it's been since it was created, is pretty amazing.
0: Yeah, and they've they've stayed relevant, and I think that's a really good segue. You know, we're talking about all the movies and everything that's out, but they stayed relevant by the innovation, right? And the innovation didn't you know it, it just didn't stick with you know miniatures and it didn't stick with modeling um and what's funny is is that you know for a long time they kind of left that stuff behind and they went all digital and now even with the newer movies they're they've come back to the models and they've they said you know what what looks more realistic is having the models with the cgi on top of it and that gives you a much more realistic you know mm. um feeling to the movies but you know over the years they they had a editing system called uh, droid um you know a, kind of a you know homage to the droids uh, in star wars but um you know this is a system that was really pulling off of Laserdisc, um and they were able to digitally pull down images so they were moving away from film even early on late 80s early 90s um they invented a, a computer editing system called Pixar, which a lot of people might say, well, wait a minute, Pixar is a, a movie house. And yes, it absolutely is a movie house um, that was obviously purchased by, by Disney, right? They they did an yeah. acquisition and a sale, as did Lucasfilm. Uh, and we'll, we'll come back around to that. But mm-hmm. um, they built Pixar as a system. And uh, Pixar was an editing platform at one time. Um, and, and as they were doing all this, you know, a lot of people may know this, may not know this, but Photoshop came from these guys as well. You know, they said, Hey, we've got a way to edit images. Hey, can you, can you take this and move it over to a Mac at the time? And, you know, can you move these features and functions over? Hey, yeah, this, this actually works out pretty well. Let's try this. Let's try that. And, you know, at the end of the day, you wind up with a commercial product and a very profitable commercial product and oh yeah that was a side project that wasn't anything that that industrial lights and magic did it was a side project that some guys at industrial lights light and magic you know decided to work on and you know it it spawned off a whole nother industry for you know uh editing photo editing and you know ultimately we all know where photoshop went today i mean photoshop's huge
1: yeah it's interesting because right now what and the reason that that something like photoshop is important um number 1 it for good or bad um it has changed our perception of beauty right because we can get rid of a lot of <laughs> a, a lot of imperfections by it um wait
0: wait you're you're seeing that the pictures that i look at in the magazines aren't real ones
1: uh they may or may not huh. have had work done Wow touch ups and stuff interesting yeah yeah and, and and honestly, there's some
0: great YouTube videos about that yeah there there really are, I've seen some of them, you're absolutely right, and it's like what <laughs>
1: yeah and so,
0: but so but a lot of a lot of those filters, sorry, I don't mean to interrupt you, but I was no going, no, no, a lot of those filters that were built in Photoshop have actually moved to social media like um like instagram and 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 those different platforms and so you know, it would never have been conceived of, or it may have been, but it would have taken longer to conceive of that stuff. A lot of that stuff came from
1: Photoshop, and you know that with so where a lot of this stuff becomes um, relevant in your life and almost ubiquitous because because it just happens. Mm-hmm. Your phone, I would imagine, that when they first started industrial light and magic. They would have loved to have the processing power in your phone oh, yeah. <laughs> just in one phone yeah right yeah. and they had rooms of, of 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 computers and stuff to do that and so what happens is it trickles down as as your handhelds get more powerful um as this technology gets used more and becomes more um cheaper and, and written off and all that stuff it works its way down to to Uh, other devices for example samsung just in uh, or released a phone and it has what i think they call like magic eraser or something like that where you can uh select objects and then it fills it in uh a la what photoshop does Mm -hmm. and it's on your phone for free and they've made it so that probably using ai or something It just figures out what you don't want and then automatically creates the background.
0: Oh, yeah. I mean, stitching, morphing, all those things that we kind of know about, um, you know, and, and, you know, uh, 13, 14, 15 year old, you know, guys and kids, girls and boys who are in high school who are playing with apps, they may not know where the original you know, conception came from, but a lot of this stuff came out of what we're talking about today and it's important to know the genesis
1: of that. And it's honestly not that long ago, the stuff that can be done now would almost be considered magic. Yeah. It would it would have required a house of artists hmm. years to do what they do in a really, really short period of time now. So
0: that, that was Photoshop, you know, and then we talk about Pixar, which we all know. um, Yeah. um, Pixar was a a great editing platform for the time. Um, But, you know, it, it seems as though, and there were people within Pixar. I'm not going to get into the story. It's a great story, but there are people at Pixar at the time. We're talking um, uh, early nineties, uh you know 93 94 94 95 somewhere around there where you know they wanted to make you know short films they wanted to do animation they really wanted to um really just do animation as movies and that's not something that that george lucas wanted to do um Mm -hmm. but he didn't want to suppress the creative vision of those people um If you know about George Lucas, and I'm a fan of George Lucas, um, you know, and I I don't know the man personally, but the sense that I get was, um, you know, he had a vision, he wanted to bring that vision to life, but he also understood other people's visions and for wherever possible. Um, I don't think that he was the type of person who necessarily stood in the way of those visions. And in this particular case, um, it has been reported numerous times that, uh, you know, and and written numerous times, um, uh, many uh, biographies for different people, and I'm kind of citing Steve Jobs' biography, uh, written by Walter Ikerson. I- I-, I I can never pronounce his last name, <laughs> Walter Ikerson. Yeah, I'm gonna go with that, and okay. and you know, but Steve Jobs's uh, biography has this in there as well um, and as well as others that, you know um, they went ahead and, you know uh, Steve was like, you know, Hey, I, I understand that you have a division of Lucasfilm that you're looking to sell. Um, George Lucas was like, yeah, you know, and he needed the money for other things. What was coming up in the mid mid and later nineties was the remastering of star Wars empire and return of the Jedi onto DVD um, and they wanted to remaster those and use that remastering technology to really uh, kind of hone in uh, the artistry the digital artistry that would be needed for episode ones two episode one two and three yeah and and so I, I think it was around sixty million dollars the Pixar platform was bought by Steve um some creative people went over and you know, uh, with that purchase, with that acquisition, and you know, um, you know, uh, George Lucas said keep the Pixar name, and so they did. They liked it so much, and they turned it into Pixar the company, and established a you know they they broke ground in Emeryville, California, and started a new company. And everyone knows the Pixar story, or if they don't, we'll probably do a show on it. But I mean, it yeah. was yeah, yeah,
1: definitely. It's it is a pretty amazing story.
0: And but but again. You know the genesis of Pixar came from Industrial Lights and Magic, and what they did was they took that they took that money and reinvested it in the computer division, if you will, of uh, ILM, and they continued the effort moving forward with um, building more tools, building more systems to you know bring that uh, cinematic universe into the computer the digitalization of, of the computer and, you know, pre- and post-production. And then what did we see after that? Well, we saw The Abyss, Willow, The Abyss, Jurassic Park.
1: Yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm looking at some of these titles. Um, Raiders of the Lost Ark, Star Trek II, Wrath of Khan, Poltergeist, uh Cocoon which is a great movie if you've never seen it. Cocoon is a great movie. Um Indiana Jones back to the future Terminator 2 which was awesome. Yeah, so what
0: started happening and that's a good point George what started happening is you know George Lucas needed Industrial Lights and Magic to continue. It couldn't just be like, all right, well, I'm going to make three movies, Star Wars, Empire, and Return of the Jedi, and then these guys are going to sit around for 10 years, and then episode one, two, and three are going to come out. No, 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 no. It was like, all right, we're going to continue the effort. I'm going to invite my friends in, you know, and, you know, Steven Spielberg. You know, we, we've heard of Steven Spielberg, right? Yeah. Um, and, and, and a lot of other directors, Robert Zemeckis, you know. Like Ron Howard. Ron Howard. So these people... All these people made great movies, and they made great movies by using the skills and the technology that ILM has done, and it's re- really helped them convey um, convey the the artistry. The artistry has really allowed them to convey the story of what they intended to do, and and I yeah. thought that was a,
1: a great story. And it did so without forcing, because it did so without forcing the um without forcing the issue right and there was a time uh probably early early 2000s where it was just too much it was just way there they had relied on cgi way too much
0: Mm -hmm.
1: right and then luckily they 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 started dialing back and and it was um and then they were really able to use it to, to tell the story. And there, there's some, you know, big blockbusters of course, where you, you do need the special effects. Yeah. Right. Oh yeah, Uh, um, for sure. uh, All the Marvel movies and stuff like that. Yeah, that's fine. Um, But then there's also special effects, you know, uh, two of of my recent favorite movie uh, is like the big short. And then uh, 13 Hours of Secret Soldiers of Benghazi, uh, which is a great movie. Both of these. Use special effects much more subtly, right? And so, yeah, there's big firefights and fires and stuff like that in the 13 hours um, movie, but the big short. They really use the special effects. If you haven't seen it, it's a it's about the um, uh, the financial collapse in 2008. Mm -hmm. They use it to keep what is generally very dry subject of finance and derivatives. Right. And they had great stars in there, but they the special effects in it are fantastic because they use the special effects to, in plain, you know, in very plain language, explain how these complex things work. So it wasn't about explosions and all this other stuff. it was really used masterfully to tell the story,
0: yeah, it almost gets to the point where you don't even realize the special effects and I think
1: exactly I think and that's that, when it's good yeah, yeah <laughs> right yeah.
0: that's 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 exactly it I mean, and you know it's funny because we talked about the seventies and we touched on the eighties and we went into the nineties and you know the the funny thing is is that um these guys have maintained this high level um, of, of just innovation throughout the 45 years that they've been doing, 50 years that they've been doing this. I mean, even to the point where they have literally pulled the entire industry, um, regardless of whether the industry wanted to move, they have pulled the industry re, uh, against their will. I mean, moving direct to digital um, mo- moving DLP technology, digital light projection into the theaters. Um, that was something that was, you know, there was only a couple theaters, six or eight theaters in the country yeah. that had DLP. And, you know, George Lucas forced it. Um,
1: and, and you know... And boy, are they grateful now.
0: And they are they
1: grateful now, right. Um, right, because know, they don't have to wait for the big reels of film to get there. They don't have to they have... They download it. The, 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 yeah, they don't have to have the complex um projection systems that they used to have and you know it's a light all this stuff now it's it is literally a download
0: yeah it's a download it's a very secure download but it's a download and you know in the beginning it was expensive it always is new uh, Uh, early early adopters they're going to but you know hey man when when i was in high school what did you look for the thx theater and you looked for the, the the theater that had digital projection.
1: Yeah. Th-
0: those were the two things you always looked for, and there were a handful in the city that I lived in. But I, I lived in a big market, so I could find those types of things. Um, people would travel hours to go see the new Star Wars movie, the or or whatever the movie was, Saving Private Ryan, right? Um, and yeah, but as we venture away from the '90s and go into the early 2000s and 2010s, and even today directors like John Favreau who, who direct, uh, who are in the MCU, you know, a lot of people don't realize this, but, um, early on before Disney acquired Lucasfilm and, um, and, and, and basically bought them, they were using them for all the Marvel movies, the early Marvel movies. Um, a lot of the a lot of the special effects, a lot of these directors are like, hey, can you really do this? And it, they would continuously be challenged. And it that was, I think that's always been the upward motion um, with ILM is they've always taken that challenge
1: and they've been like, yeah, well, we can do it. I mean, we can, we'll figure it out. Yeah. They, uh, they have an intern program called the Jedi Academy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they do. I, I They're, they're consistent on a theme, you know, and, um, keeping that bar at that height <clears throat> and uh, again i think that i just keep on coming back to the point that it's changed storytelling and your your at least our our experience um in not just film but also you know now with a lot of this streaming stuff um this stuff would just not have been possible, and and they make the unbelievable totally believable, and it's a great way to show history. It's a great way to show science fiction for the future, um, and it it's also a great way to um, to bring things out that are are no longer there. You know, you you can have a, a picture of let's say a volcano before it explodes. You can have it on film and then show it explode (laughs) and then it's not there anymore you know it's uh it's pretty it's an amazing tool just amazing
0: yeah and it's it's funny because um it's 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 very understated um you know in and you had touched on this right um the artistry but you know, there's there's a funny little, I, I guess, joke, or, or I don't know if it's a joke, but it's definitely creative. At the um, San Francisco campus, they actually have Yoda looking out over, um, they're they're in the Presidio, and Yoda's looking out over the Golden Gate Bridge. So the Presidio's near Golden Gate Park, for those of you who don't know, and he's kind of got a staff in his hand, he's looking out over to the Golden Gate Bridge, and just inside there, um, there's an area where they display all the Academy awards, you know, that were won by, um, industrial light magic, but they're not the real Academy awards. They're actually, (laughs) um, they, they look like the Academy awards, but they're C3PO's. No way. (laughs) Yeah. They're C3PO's. And there's a, (laughs) let me just say, there's a lot of them. Um, you know, and and there's some other awards that they're, they're the R2D2's, uh, you know, so, um, it's a culture at this point, and what you were hitting on, I just wanted to reiterate. You know, there are very few organizations, companies, um, let's call it institutions, that have this track record. I mean, not even Apple. And I know there's a lot of people out there who don't like Apple; they're they're Android fans, and that that's fine. It's perfectly fine. But what you cannot deny is, um. Apple has a culture, as does Android. Android, you know, yeah. uh, th- that camp, you have a culture as well. Um, but, you know, Apple is an institution in its own right. You know, they, they started the, P- the computing revolution, whether people want to agree with that or not. They, yeah. you know, like Henry Ford, putting, you know, he didn't build the first car. He did not do that, but he built the assembly line that made cars popular and obtainable. And that's the same thing Apple did. And I don't care what anybody says; I'll fight you on it.
1: Um, no, they, they, no, they, no. They, yeah. They, there, they, there, there was a before again, like like we were talking about uh, industrial light and magic, right? Mm-hmm. There was the before and the after. Yeah,
0: moment. absolutely. And the before moment with Apple was there. There was no mass production of you know computers that can be in the home, and then the after was everyone ultimately had a a, a computer, and then you know. IBM came along and there was that whole fight and that's for another show. But that's the same thing that ILM has done is the before moment was, hey, um, you know, I'm not you've never been wowed by a movie like this. You've never been able to put the tools in the hands of the directors They yeah. allow them that creative freedom to express what they want to express for the narrative that they're trying to express on the screen. Now they can do it.
1: And I think one of the things that, Tim, you and I, you know, one of the things we keep on, the the drum we keep on pounding on, is with tools like this, with companies like this, this really is the best time in the history of ever to be alive. We wouldn't be
0: able to edit this show, to be honest with you, uh, without industrial lights and magic where they were i mean we we may be able to do it, meaning that the the technology timeline um has become much more compressed maybe in 20 or 30 years 15 or 20 years from now if there was no industrial lights and magic we would be able to edit the show like we do today but i think ilm has really compressed the time frame and you know It's not only about movie, but they've affected the visual aspects of it, the audible aspects of it, editing and audio, the sound effects. I mean, um, do you want to talk about the scoring of movies, which is a huge part of Skywalker Sound, which is part of Skywalker Ranch, which is in Marion County. And, you know, I mean, just the music that's in and around you know um, those movies and how the scores, you know, are are handled. All of that was done, but you know, um, it all kind of stemmed from ILM.
1: Yep, and it all it all in ILM came from, hey, I have this vision for this space soap opera, mm-hmm. and the current tools suck. <laughs> so I got to make my own.
0: No, the, what sucks is I have no tools. So yes, it was worse yes. than sucking because at least if I have sucky tools, I can go and create something better off that concept. I, he didn't even have that. so That may have been an advantage. It may have been. Yeah, for sure. Because you
1: know, if you've got something that kind of sucks, you're, you, your mindset is I'm going to make this better. But if there's nothing there, then... It's kind of free range, you know,
0: so where are we today? Today, they're doing shows. they They continue to do shows. They continue to do movies. not only I mean, I mean, pretty much anything that you see out there. and the the uh, institutional memory that they have has pretty oh, much gosh. has pretty much stayed with ILM, but for those few and, and and I wouldn't say as not as few as I'm kind of like spawning off about, but they have left. they've they've gone and created other special effects houses. you're You're seeing more competition for ILM, but they're able to, you know Kathleen Kennedy is still running um you know Lucasfilm, and she still uses that she's still got that tool in her back pocket. Um but now that ILM is part of the Disney family, Right And um, at, at a greater part of this, right, Disney uses them. Um, there's collaboration with Pixar because Pixar is obviously now a Disney company as well. I mean, Disney yeah. is really the brain trust of all these different companies that were once independent, right? Um, what has ILM done lately? And you, you, it's nothing to shake a stick at. They've created something called The Volume. And the volume is literally the closest thing we have, in my opinion, to a holodeck um, or to a virtual environment where they've surrounded, they've built this big room, all of these high-resolution panels all the way around the room, and they can build uh, scenescapes where the camera in the middle of this volume moves around, and it's got... um, computer-controlled tracking, and as the camera moves, the perspective on the back walls move, and the um, actors can interact inside of the volume with a stage and or a set that could be built in the middle of it, and it gives you this complete immersive movie-going uh, type of experience where it's really next level, and the volume has been used on The Mandalorian. Uh, so, the, the sorry, the, the volume has been used on The Mandalorian, and it's been used on newer uh, andor, I believe, uh, the, the newer films for, for Star Wars is what it's been used for. And I know John, John Farva is a big fan of it, and you've just seen a lot of other things come out of the volume, but the volume is essentially the technological marvel, let's call it the movie apex of where they've gone.
1: Yeah, they're not staring at a green screen, right? They're,
0: they're not staring at a green screen, <laughs> and they're editing audio and video in real time. They're going direct digital. I mean, everything is, is going on. Let's just be honest. You know, like you said, we kind of started off this show with necessity is the mother of all invention. Well, what does this all mean at the end of the day? What this means is, is that Disney as an organization and industrial Um, industrial lights and magic um, for the most part has been able to really create a way to reduce the cost of production and
1: really keep that production quality high. Yeah. Yeah. I I, I think the other thing that some, a company like industrial light and magic does, and you'll never fully know the fullest uh, effect of it is the inspiration. It gives others. Like you talked about some people spun off, right. But it's also, that young kid that's a filmmaker that he's going to have an idea for movie that even the industrial light and magic stuff isn't going to solve but he's got a really really good foundation to to build off of and to create the the next thing and so as, aside from just being a, a great organization um that that has you know incredible products it also serves as an inspiration for the next generation.
0: Yeah, yeah. And, no, no, that's that's a, a valid, that's a very valid point. And to your, um, to what you were bringing up earlier, you know, can you imagine if some of the guys back in the, the 70s had half, you know, a, a, oh. tenth, a tenth of the computing power that we have today? Because they were making amazing movies in, in, um, you know in at university when they were in film school and they were making these movies yeah. but the interesting thing was industrial lights and magic was recruiting a lot of these special effects guys right out of the universities because it was so bleeding edge yeah it was so new
1: they, they were inventing stuff <laughs> yeah
0: um, and and they continue to do that today, and that's that's the whole point behind me bringing up um, the volume, and just talking about the innovation piece has not stopped. Um, what's been interesting is, even though the innovation piece hasn't stopped, they've gone back to older technologies. You know, they they built a purpose built rig for some of the scenes in Mandalorian um and they built a, you know a model for his you know his sh- his ship that they used in in that series and they didn't have to do that they could have gone all through you know cgi and built it all on the computer wireframed it up and you know just you know built it in in 3d virtual space but no they went back to the beginning and they said you know what i think it's going to have a much more realistic look if we build a model and then we put cgi on top of it and we move this thing in real life on a, a motion control system and then put it into the computer and then overlay what we do on that system and and what that what that is is it's an accumulation of everything it's artistry computer engineering you know motion control Re- you're really doing is taking all the aspects of the 45 years that you know industrial light and magic has has gathered that that um institutional memory and they've applied it to what is now you know the volume and how we look at movies today in in a, in a, um, you know, special effects perspective.
1: And it, it's also, um, a nod to, to the history of where they came from. It really know. is. Yeah. Be, be, because the look they, and it's advanced, it's much, you know, it's much better looking now, but it, it is, uh, a nod to, to that. And, and honestly, the hardcore star Wars fans, and there are hardcore star Wars fans, that is the kind of detail that look, that feel, um, going back to the original yet better. That is the kind of thing that is extreme. It's just noticed immediately. Um, and it's commented on very, very heavily, uh, even something like the swipes between scenes of how they do it, you know, from coming from one direction as opposed to another or something like that. Um, all those things are noticed by hardcore Star Wars fans. Mm-hmm. Yep, it, 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 it's uh, you know, I think it's it. They understand the devotion of the fan base. They understand and and they take it seriously enough not to mess it up. Yeah,
0: and um, you know, it's it's funny um, just the stories that have you know really come out of this whole, um, everything that we've talked about in the last, you know, um, uh, f- you know, 40 minutes, uh, you know, it's amazing the stories that have come out of this. I mean, you look at individual, uh, stories about what people have done in either coming in or going out of industrial lights as a magic or how they've been touched by this one organization, you know, there's a guy that's, that's kind of my, I mean, I don't want to go fanboy or anything like that, but... (laughs) Too late. Yeah, I know, right? Like, John Knoll, right? I mean, (laughs) what a career. And, you know, John Knoll, he's, you know, um, he's the visual effects supervisor and chief creative officer at Industrial Light and Magic. But, you know, what he did... I mean, can you imagine this guy's life? He grew up in Ann Arbor, Michigan, right? His dad was... um, I think his dad was like a nuclear uh or he was an engineer of some type. I think he was a nuclear engineer or something like that at at the University of Michigan if I'm not mistaken. I hope I'm not screwing that up, but I think that's what it was. And you know his dad was um going on a trip out to California and and John uh John Knoll was was still in high school and he went out there with his dad. It was some engineering conference, and John Knoll looked up ILM in a in a um in like a uh, yellow pages, and they were there. No way. Yeah, no, for sure. And um, I heard this story many many years ago, and it was reiterated actually in the Disney special that I was kind of referring to. Um, and it's 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 in a couple. You can you could find them. Uh, you could find this story in some of the uh, the. The add-on features uh, to like Rogue One and whatnot, um, but John Knoll actually went to ILM um, as they were building um, models and stuff for the next Star Wars movie. I think, if I'm not mistaken, uh, I don't want to get this wrong, but I, it it wasn't Star Wars. I think it was, I think it was Empire that he was going to, or Return of the Jedi. It was one of the last two movies uh, of okay. of the '80s, and so can you imagine that like? He's a high schooler. They gave him a tour. He said, hey, I'm, my name's John Noel. I, I do models. I'm really interested in getting into the industry. I'd like to really you know, just learn a little bit more about it. And so they were like, yeah, come on down. We'll give you a tour for the day, and you can check things out. And as he was there, <laughs> they're working on the models for the next Star Wars movie. Oh, yeah. That would never happen today. Never happen. Because of no. all the secrecy on set. Yeah, All, well, and social media, right? Social media—it it was just a different world, and yeah. you know the reason why I'm going through this though is it's akin to the culture you had talked about. They have, you know, Jedi Academy, right? How yeah. do you, how do you still, you? Know, it's it's. I think if I'm not mistaken, a lot of the creative talent that comes into ILM is by invitation, because they find out who you are. There was um a lady who did um, commercials um, and it was a commercial. It was in either, I think it was in Europe and it was for elections or something like that. And it was a baby talking ILM kind of got wind of who this person was and they, they wanted to interview her. They found out that she had this really good talent of, of manipulating lips on a human and being able to, um, you know, work in a computer environment outside of ILM. She did it. On her own, and she worked for a different, uh, you know, ad house, a different company, and they were able to create this this commercial. And ILM was impressed, and they reached out to her, and they went and got her, and she ultimately turned out to be, um, you know, I- instrumental in in working in a lot of movies like you know Jurassic Park, and you know, a lot of these films benefited by that. So they've gone out and gotten the talent, and they've also homegrown the talent, but to me, the whole John Null story has been interesting because, you know, he's now bigwig there, and he was the guy that came up with the storyline for Rogue One, pitched it to Kathleen Kennedy, and they said, yeah, you know, I mean, this makes sense, you know, let's build really? a story, let's, you know, how did the, the the Rebel Alliance destroy the the Death Star so easily? Well, you know, they found the plans, and you know, these spies, is a spy story, and that's what Rogue One's about, and that was his original pitch, so I, I really like that whole storyline. I really like the creativeness, the, um, again, I, I keep going back to the phrase um, institutional memory because that's what they lean so hard on at ILM.
1: Yes. In, in tradition and um, so many other things, they just really take their, they, they take it seriously. You know it and it's funny when you talk about like the people that um that work there it, it kind of with the longevity that they've had it kind of reminds me of um like alabama football mm. right mm-hmm. um and, and, and what was interesting i saw um a youtube video of um coach Sabin, nick saban there and people are like how can you how have you done this it's like everywhere he goes his teams are always at the top near the top regardless you know whatever and um everyone's his players love working you know playing for the guy and uh he's pretty tough on them you know he's not he's not a coddler at all and he always regardless of where he is always has incredible teams and yeah. one of the things he said was you know it's about the type of people you have around you he said you can't mix high performers and mediocre performers he said they will not get along because the mediocre performers are going to be um are going to think that the high performers are getting better advantages and the high performers are going to be pissed that the mediocre performers aren't is committed or talented as they are. Mm-hmm. I thought that was a really interesting statement. I get the feeling that ILM is something like that. Yeah, I get the feeling that it's something like that as well. And pretty freaking intense.
0: You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> in in you know, I I don't poo poo on other organizations. I don't do that. But I do think that there are some. Um, I think you know, and and it's it. Look, it's not always. Of course, there's going to be. Um, There's going to be politics, the the human condition. absolutely. The human condition, we often talk about the human condition on this show. Um, There's going to be politics. There's going to be a lot of those things. But, you know, there are organizations that apex out uh, very differently than other organizations. IBM, for example, is a good one. Apple is a good one, for example. Google. um, You know, Industrial Lights and Magic is definitely, you know... Disney yeah for sure they're a great organization but they've um had the benefit of buying other companies as well you know yeah. they 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 purchased or they bought you know they they merged or acquired um Marvel and ILM and and Jim Henson's Muppets you know i mean oh yeah come on J- Jim Henson's Muppet House i mean that we're not even talking about technology we're just talking about a Crazy um, amount of talented people who transcends the topic of this show, but you know, yeah. I mean, but but the brain trust and the um, uh, the again institutional memory should not be underscored. Um, having that much creativeness under one umbrella, there there there, it really is why Disney at this point is uh, and, and Pixar too. I I, I don't want to forget about pixar It is really you shouldn't underscore the ability of, of disney at this point they they there's not a story they
1: cannot tell that's very true and mm-hmm. and they have definitely benefited by bringing these other companies in because these other companies have changed disney as well
0: but make no mistake about it disney was absolutely I know this for a fact, Disney was absolutely struggling Um, and Pixar came in and um, that was a, you know, there were many accounts, there were many people, but Pixar was the one, was the company that kind of um, really creatively pushed Disney to the next level. And, you know, Disney for a long time was doing distribution for Pixar um, and then that relationship changed into Pixar needs to become part of Disney and we need to embrace that. And then uh, not too long after that happening, you know, Industrial Lights and Magic in, was purchased by, or I should say Lucasfilm was purchased by Disney. And, you know, um, the point is, is that none of this would have happened. It all started really with one movie.
1: Yeah. and. And that's the other, you know, that's the thing about that whole entrepreneurial spirit of could have easily been a one-hit wonder. Yeah. Easily,
0: yeah. And you know, there's there is there some romanticizing for sure. There, there is. You know, I mean, um, it, it was all hard. It was all a struggle. It was not easy. You know, looking back on it, we can say, you know, um, but but you have to understand that there was so many things that needed to be pushed forward. Like a lot of people say, well, you know, you know, it wasn't all perfect. You know, everyone hated Jar Jar Banks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But well, but you know, but what's important to know is that you you have to understand that those movies were the first movies to ever be fully recorded in digital too. And some might say, oh big deal. No, it's it's not, it is a big deal.
1: Yeah. Um
0: because it's never been done before. I mean they had to go and get specific and unique hardware from Sony. They worked with Sony tirelessly to get, um, you know, direct plate technology, direct recording to hard drive technology. Um, Panavision made special lenses for them. They literally retooled the
1: industry. And there's, you know, okay, maybe parts of it were, were not to everyone's liking. Right. But, you know, like, the scene when it's on that uh, that mining planet. Oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> I, it, it, I don't care what you thought of the movie. That scene by itself? Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Yeah.
0: So, I mean, you know, um, the, the point is, I think the point that you and I were trying to make and, and the purpose of this show was really to just highlight, you know, um one man's vision where it took the industry many industries and you know how it really did affect the human condition and i think i think the human condition was very much affected by by this because it was it it speaks to the narrative of how our storytelling occurs and our storytelling very much changed after the sequence of events 30 years 40 years yeah but our You know, as a race, as a human race, as uh, people that we are, we kind of live and die by the stories that we tell. And that's how we remember things, too. Um, You know, as you said, um, we've gotten to the point now where special effects is not even noticed in movies. It's subtle. And so when you have movies that are, you know, maybe more historically important. uh, I'm not trying to make them bigger than they are, but, you know... um, uh, Saving Private Ryan and and, and yeah. stuff stuff like that you know, um, you know it it's who cares about the special effects it's an easier way to tell a story and and yeah then, and,
1: it, and it lets but it let it lets you tell it so much more richly <laughs> yeah
0: I agree I agree yeah absolutely um, Schindler's List um, I believe ILM was on that as well and people might say well what special effects were in there and you'd be amazed I mean just backgrounds bringing the the world war two circumstances to the big screen right and being able to tell a story with that narrative um that was something that uh you know um you know would have been pretty hard to do to your point pretty hard to do prior to you know everything that occurred with with the uh the technology
1: and and innovations that were made yeah wow pretty intense uh and you know uh we we certainly take it for granted but certainly a part of our storytelling um adventure and in in history as as we continue to move forward with this um and you know hey for future filmmakers and um storytellers this this is added to your palette of of uh in your toolbox of things you can use to tell a story the special effects can easily be used you know to overdone to can, can easily be overdone but used correctly what it does is it puts the viewer in the right place at the right time so that they can fully get the impact of the story
0: yeah good stuff man yeah that's fun all right. Well, um, that—that's—I—I I, I think that's all I—I uh, I have to say on this topic, right? Yeah. Yeah.
1: Me too. This was good. This was fun. Yeah, This was fun. Thanks, George. Hey. Thank you, Tim.